0: Relieved to say that, Johnny will ever shot. Thank you. How about this for stepping up to the mark? Johniels
1: is going to take the kick himself. This kick will decide. What a player all right, 86 test matches, 173 points as a lock forward. The most successful captain in the history of Australian rugby... Prolific also of course for Queensland and the Queensland Reds uh, and of course has uh, played in two, yes two uh, Australian World Cup winning sides including captaining the second of those in 1999. He joins us this morning as the Wallabies uh, make the trek uh, over to to Needham this weekend to try and see if they can find some inspiration along with Eddie Jones to suggest that like uh, John Eels and Nick Farr Jones they can lift the William Webb Ellis Trophy. Uh, John Ellis joins us this morning. We're particularly honoured to have him on. John, uh, thanks for t- your time this morning. I just wonder, if do you, do you have any involvement in rugby these days?
0: Oh, Smithy, it's a pleasure to be on here today and, uh, you know, really been looking forward to having a chat with you. Um, look, I am the chair of the World Rugby Hall of Fame uh, selection committee, which is a fun role. Um, and it's, it's a tough role, sorting between all the all the people that go on that but uh, other than that i've been on the board of rugby australia for many years but not at the moment Um, but i'm uh, number one i'm I'm a person who sits on the edge of my couch contorting myself when i'm watching all the games
1: john uh, for that reason then um, if you're still living and breathing the game as such uh, you must be a little concerned with what you're seeing Um, are you genuinely worried or or do you think uh, eddie jones uh, knowing him better than we do has the situation, I won't say under control, but uh, he's got hope?
0: Yeah, I think there is no doubt if Eddie could choose where he was at this point in time with this team, it it probably wouldn't be exactly where they are now. Um, You know, they've been... I think in a lot of ways, they, they show a lot of promise, but there's some work to do. Um, on the weekend, you know, there were enterprising parts of that game. There were, you know, The Australian team were definitely willing. There was no shortage of, of passion in doing what they did. There was no shortage of, of focus for large periods of time. But then there were those moments. And I think the big, biggest difference between the best teams in the world and the and the teams that are competing against those best teams, which Australia is one of those at the moment, the biggest difference is, like it's not even in bad minutes of play, it's bad moments of play. You know, the best teams don't have those bad moments. And you look at the Irish and the All Blacks, the French, you know, they're very consistent across the whole game. The Australian side at the moment, they're just turning off for those bits of time. And and part of the turning off might be you've got a guy off the field for 10 minutes with a yellow card and it's so hard to come back when you, give those, when you give teams like the All Blacks the opportunity in those bad moments.
1: John the other thing of course during those those key moments when you have those opportunities as you have those playmakers who deliver for you now back in 91 your '910 was Nick Farr Jones Michael Liner uh, uh, under your captaincy you had uh, Stephen Larkin and of course uh, George Gregan Genual, genuine generals as such uh, do you see that within the Australia uh, the Australian group there the makings of that kind of combination
0: well, I, th- I think yeah, yeah, you've hit the nail on the head there with the importance of that half, five, eight combination because so much happens around that. You know, The leadership of those two is so important in any team. Um, and we don't have that at the moment. We don't have stability in that area. We don't know who our best nine and ten are at the moment. So... Yeah, we're a long way off from other teams when it comes to that but look there's, there's no doubt that the people we can go to in those positions have some edge about them in their play and they all do some things that that disrupt the opposition's defenses that, that can make australia look good and dangerous at different periods of time but again them working in concert with everyone else in the team is going to be so important
1: Uh, For instance, uh, I'm just looking at the the depth to uh, join in Australian rugby, which is something I I imagine you you monitor a a little bit. Um, For instance, uh, this weekend our NPC competition starts, so we've got eight games of provincial rugby. Um, And is that lacking? Is the ability for constant play and encouragement for people to participate lacking in Australia?
0: Well, there's no question we don't have a competition as strong as the NPC to back up Super Rugby and then uh, yeah, Test Rugby, um, and that's a very hard thing to manufacture. You can't just turn that on. You know, we have tried at different stages with variations. Um, you know, the uh, the the National Rugby Championship was a, um, you know an effort to do that, but but the the club systems in both Sydney and Brisbane are pretty strong. I think the way we have to look at it in Australia is is that we're never going to have the same amount of depth that that you do in New Zealand or that South Africa do or, or even France or England do. So therefore, we've got to be able to say, well, how can we make more with our talent than than what we're doing at the moment? And and that has to be a concerted effort in coaching across right across the board. And and you don't need. A hundred great test players to win a World Cup, for example um, you, you know if you 've got fifty guys who can play Test rugby at that you know, capable or even even say thirty to forty guys, you know, that only has to come from a pool of a thousand people who are playing at a pretty good level of rugby and, and the shoot shield and the Brisbane Hospital's cup are pretty good levels of rugby now if you can take the cream out of that and then really start to you know to, to put pressure on them and and help them to grow. Then if you've got 20 guys that are really good test rugby players, and you've got three, four or five are great test rugby players, and that's where the biggest difference will happen, I think. If you've got those two combinations, you've got the 20 really good ones, and you've got the three or four great ones, consistently great ones, then you've got a team that can compete with anything.
1: Eddie Jones' uh, coaching career, or, or the first part of it, coincided with uh, perhaps uh, the, the twilight of your career as, as well, uh, John. Um, how have you seen Eddie Jones develop throughout his, uh, his last 20 years as a coach, really, to the point now where he's the man in charge of Australia?
0: Yeah, my my last four tests as as captain and and as a player, including the last one I I had my ever-put boots on, was under Eddie Jones as coach. And even back then, you saw that... And I I had known Eddie for probably about 10 years. um, We played together in a game with the Australian Barbarians once. And even going back to when I first met him, you could see he had those coaching instincts. As a teacher by trade, you know, teachers often make great coaches because not only do they know... The idea about the game, but they've got they've got they they, they've learned how to communicate ideas and to teach people. And Eddie was always very good at that, even as a player playing beside you. Um, And and he was also had this combination of being very fastidious in his preparation, no stone left unturned, and none of that's changed but with that he now he has had the maturity of going through many different campaigns with many different teams not just world cup campaigns but development campaigns so he as much as anyone in the world is going to be in a position to start to understand, okay, this is the structure of Australian rugby, which is not going to be a hell of a lot different to what what he left many, many years ago, but this is a structure. How are we going to get the best out of this structure we 're not going to necessarily be able to mirror the New Zealand structure or the French structure or whatever, but how do we squeeze some diamonds out of this structure and and I think and then you know, when he gets to the pointy end when it comes to a World Cup, we know that He's got the ability to really turn it on in that environment. Um, so hopefully um, we'll see something something special from the Wallabies uh, over at the World Cup. But it's going to be tough.
1: It is going to be tough because, um, as you well know, uh, you need confidence um, when you're entering in the World Cup. You don't want to have too many self-doubts. Uh, and I just wonder now whether Eddie has uh, got the ability, and this weekend is so important in, in that respect, to find that heading on the plane to get over there? I mean, because you, you really don't want to be 0-4 and, and a pretty ugly 0-4 heading in that direction.
0: Yeah, I, yeah. to some extent, I, I think while the wins are so important and, and they will be absolutely gunning for that and, and not, not accepting anything less, I think more what you've what you've got to look for now is improvement across the board in different areas of the game. And if you, if you look at, say, two areas, and you've also got to identify, okay, what can we change the quickest that's going to make the biggest difference going into a World Cup? And if you were to pick two things in rugby that are perhaps the easiest to change, they're, well, not, they're not, nothing's easy to change, but if you, if you could say you could change perhaps the quickest, you know, two of those things would be discipline and defence. And and that's been two areas that have been really hurting the wallabies over the last you know twelve eighteen months. Um, and uh, but 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 both discipline and defence are very you know, yes, there's skills associated with that. Of course there are, but they're very they're they're, they're both based on on attitude. And if you can get the attitude right. And part of the attitude is trusting the guy beside you. Why do you give away penalties? Sometimes you give away penalties because you're not really trusting the guy beside you. So I would think over the next bit of time, and whether it be partly this week, and then we've got the weeks leading into the World Cup, so much of that has to be focused on how do we develop the bonds in this team such that when they're out there in the heat of the moment, the number six trusts number seven, who trusts number eight. And if you can start to develop that, then you can do a lot from that. But if you don't have those, those core, that, that trust between players, that trust between units, then you're not going to get the consistent performance out there on the field.
1: John, you've been in two World Cup winning sides. Both of those were um, in um, the Northern Hemisphere, um, of course, one in England, one in Wales. So, uh, and now we head to that neck of the woods again, albeit France. Do you see France and Ireland, like most people in the rankings say so, as well as the teams to beat?
0: Yeah, of course they are, but but New Zealand have shown they're going to be right up there with any team, as they always are. Um, South Africa, Scotland on your side of the pool, um, of the draw. Uh, And I don't think there's ever been a World Cup where... It almost doesn't matter if you finish first or second in your pool. You have to finish first or second. But it almost doesn't matter if you finish first or second because who would you rather play out of South Africa or Ireland, take, for example, or even throw Scotland in there? There's Like, it would be hard to say, yeah, I'd rather have that game. Or if you're on the other side, who would you rather play, France or New Zealand? Like, there's no... There's no easy answer there. And even on the other side, you know, say if it's Australia, Wales, Fiji, Georgia, going to be a tough game. And then on the other side, you've got England, Argentina, Japan. There's not necessarily a side that you'd rather say, yeah, look, we, we need to finish first, so we're going to play them, because you don't know who's going to finish first or second in each pool. So, mm. But when, you, when it comes down to it, I think one of the key ingredients of winning a World Cup is being absolutely sure about how you play the game, and I think there's only three teams in the world at the moment that are absolutely sure and confident in how they they're playing the game. Number one of those teams is Ireland. Number two is France, and you'd probably say number three is is New Zealand. Maybe Scotland would be in there as well, but they're, they're maybe not as quite as compelling in how they play the game as. As, as the other ones, but they're still going to be dangerous. South Africa, I, I think they can play many different ways, but I'm not sure that they have, have set themselves on, this is how we're going to play each game going into the World Cup. And I think as they develop that, they're going to be incredibly dangerous as well. So I think that's an important step for Australia to take, to say this is how we're going to play the game and then just work very hard on building the trust in that game plan and the trust between themselves.
1: John, just finally, do you get to go in some capacity? Uh, I'm going to go in a
0: capacity as a fan f- foremost, um, going with my wife and uh, and some of our friends for a couple of the pool matches, and then I'll come home and uh, and then try to get back over for the last part of the tournament. I, I can't wait. I think you know, rugby, yeah, of course we want our own teams to win, and we, we hope for that, but you know, irrespective of that, it's going to be a fantastic World Cup, a great celebration of of our sport, which is a wonderful, global sport. And so much of rugby, yes, it's what happens on the field, but it's also so much of it is what happens off the field, and it's going to be a celebra- celebration.
1: John Eels, uh, absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, travel well, uh, enjoy the World Cup towards the end of the year, and uh, hopefully, uh, from your point of view, uh, Eddie and the Wallabies can uh, turn it on this weekend in Eden. We, we thank you so much for your time.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a pleasure. Thank you.